process podcast episode 372 it is thursday question mark thursday it's minus one yep it feels colder than minus one though it's dark outside it was a cloudy day and that's about all i got yeah it was kind of dark and kind of it was a gloomy day it was a gloomy day it uh it, it reminded me of a of a day in April. I feel like April's got those those cloudy rainy days. April showers bring May flowers or whatever that saying is. I thought it was gonna snow like crazy today though because I'm sitting. So I've I've I'm I'm changing up how I work at home now because I think I'm getting bored, which is probably fair because I've less left the house five times since January first. Um. But I sat at the kitchen table, like the one that we did the podcast with Sharon at. I sat at that all day and worked from my laptop instead. And so I have like a direct view out the window, but I don't, I can't see the street from it, which is kind of nice because then I don't get distracted by what's on the street. I just see like kind of the sky. And then Mm -hmm. I'm going to say it was like 3.30 and it looked like a giant tidal wave of just dark, almost black gray just rolls across the sky. I'm thinking to myself, dude, if this was like, if this was summertime right now, it would be pouring rain and there'd be thunder and lightning and probably a tornado. And then I'm thinking, well, it's winter. Maybe that's going to happen. But instead of rain, it's going to be snow. And it literally just passed right over and it didn't happen. And I was sitting here very excited, very much looking forward to everything just going nuts. And it did not. And I had a nightmare last night. Here's a fun story. So yesterday before we started the show. We weren't about to hit record, but like we were, we we're basically getting ready to hit record. And then out of nowhere, all the power gets cut, like the circuit breaker and the apartment trips. And I'm like, oh, you got to be kidding me. So then I got to walk over with like my flashlight and figure out which one is which and like what got tripped and everything. I'm able to reset it. And then I come back and I'm getting ready to go back on. And then it trips again. I'm like, oh, okay, something's, there's too much on one circuit. And I figured out what it was. It was charging the drone, and the drone takes up a lot of energy. So I moved it to the bedroom, which is on a different circuit. Done. Simple. But the noise that the circuit breaker makes, because it's in the wall, and the internal walls of the apartment are pretty thin. Like the wall between the living room and the bedroom is pretty thin. There's, I don't think there's anything in it. You can knock on it, and it sounds pretty hollow. But it seems like the walls between units are okay, because I can't hear anything. So that's good. But... So when the thing goes off, like the switch is being chucked backwards or something, and it makes this loud echoing sound, and it's in like a metal box anyway. So it makes a, it makes a big loud sound. And this morning, I'm going to guess around like 4.30 or 5 o'clock maybe. And I also don't know if it was in the dream or if it was in real life, but I heard that same sound again, and it just it shook me to my core. I don't know if it was a dream or not, but I, I was wired awake i was awake i think i was awake before i heard the sound that's how intense it was and i like stumble up and i waddle into the living room and i like flick the light and the light works 
and everything else worked because I've never, I haven't had to trip the circuit breaker all day. So I think I imagined it, but I don't know. It also could have not been from my apartment. It could have been from somewhere else. But yeah, it was a bit, it was a bit spooky. It was a bit spooky. It, uh, wow, spooky. It me a little bit. Spooky, spooky. Uh, but that's like basically the extent to Damn. my not really engaging story. But we did want to touch on some fun stuff and uh, an interesting concept that as I've like started to dabble back into the whole art thing and give it the attention that it does deserve that I've kind of neglected, unfortunately. Um, been watching a lot of Andrew Tischler podcast stuff recently. And I was watching one of his videos and he was critiquing himself in creating like thumbnail sketches to produce into a painting study to then turn into a giant painting because he says he always believes in doing things with hindsight. And by the time that he gets to the final painting, he's done it so many times that he's basically got it worked out. He, he knows where he's going. Everything's mapped out in his head um, simply because he's done it so much. Um, so the, it's, it's a three, you're, you're, you're asking yourself three questions. And this is like what he's, what he's delivering, the message that he's delivering. Um, you ask yourself three questions and then you evaluate your sketches or your ideas. I think it, the thing that he's is speaking about, it references paintings specifically, but I think this is something that can be applied to creative pursuits as a whole, whether it's a graphic, whether it's a poster whether it's just an idea for something like we could, it's something that we kind of used when creating the media kit, but without asking these specific questions. Um, so the three questions are what's working, what's not working and what if, and the, what if is the really interesting part because that's where you can say like, well, what if it did this? And since it's still preliminary and it's not fleshed out, you can pursue that and you can chase that. What's working highlights the, essentially what's working, the important parts, the things that are successful, things that are contributing to a positive outcome with the piece. And then what's not working are like the distractions, the not ambiguous, but arbitrary, the arbitrary elements of whatever it is, the design, the painting, the sketch, the doodle, the this, the that. Um, and then what if opens the door to possibility and I've, I've been thinking about it a bit more and like, uh, <laughs> your mom's hilarious. And she's like, Nope, I'm going back. Um, that was funny. Totally lost my train of thought, but yeah, the three questions, what's working, what's not working and what if I almost wish that we knew of, of that sooner. And being able to do all the stuff that we've done, podcast or in school, with that mindset. And I guess that's always the way it is. You're, you'll always learn something and wish you learned it earlier. Um, that's just probably a fact of life, unfortunately. But I found it quite interesting and quite an engaging, mm -hmm. um, quite an engaging concept to even apply to future <clears throat> stuff that we do, whether it's internally here or whether it's in the context of work or in the context of BDC or whatever. But uh, 
I like those three questions. I want to get a t-shirt made out of those, you know? Mm. I feel like Probably, though, but maybe we kind of do that, in in that framework. Yeah. And that's subconsciously. Just, just subconsciously. Like we weren't taught. Mm-hmm. Here's the three questions you ask yourself necessarily, but like obviously first year, maybe into second year when we do a critique and one of the profs would be like, okay, like, you know, which one would you go with? And why, like, you know, why do you think what works with this one that doesn't work with the other one? Um, and then also the profs teaching us like to mm-hmm. start learning how to self critique, right? And how to start developing that, that designer eye. So you can critique yourself without just either being like, yeah, I'm awesome. Everything I do is good or everything I do is shit and nothing's a great idea. Like, to be able to, you know, I feel like maybe that's like a, a little superpower, a hidden skill. It's very underrated and very overlooked with a, a designer or a creative person like that. Mm-hmm. I think specifically a designer maybe is a lot of people find it hard to put ego aside and put... um emotion aside and bias aside to objectively look at something Maybe without going <laughs> into it look at politics gross. in general right now in north america like you know what i mean like barely anyone is able to put aside their own bias their own opinion their own emotional connection um which i think is look at something it's, purely it's, it's mental immaturity i think there's always that like that. Yeah, and I think it's it's one of those things. I think like scientists would always say that like it's probably impossible yeah, for a for human sure. to be like a hundred percent objective, right? Um, so it's it's hard enough for someone to like, you know, be completely objective with a family member or a friend, or you know, a partner mm-hmm. or someone that they're close to, or someone that they you know, a YouTuber, a streamer, a celebrity or something that they actually like and they have some sort of connection to. But then we had to learn in fucking design school boot camp how to take that one step further and actually be able to separate the bias, the opinion, and the emotional Mm -hmm. connection to our own work. Time and intention into. And and to ourselves. Yeah, it's like, you know, it's not just if you ask me for feedback or if I ask you for feedback and we we're honest with each other. It's it's not even that. It's literally like, can you put your own work on your wall and stay within the happy middle ground of not being, uh, you know, of being honest with yourself and knowing when you need to um, up the quality or to know when to walk away or at least um put on hold an idea that you really like but there's a part of you that's like maybe it doesn't i really like it maybe i'll use it for another project put it aside for now but it doesn't apply mm-hmm. to this project right now this this problem right so it's the happy medium the happy middle ground between that and then yeah 
That's tough. not being too hard on yourself. Right. And to be objective with your own work like that, like mm-hmm. I feel like that is really is like a superpower. Yeah. Yeah. I, it, yeah. It's, it's a blessing and a curse. I think. Right. It's kind of, it's the same thing with like, cause I know sometimes with people in the past, it's mm-hmm. like, I can be a very objective person. <laughs> and that's sometimes got me in trouble in like conversations. Cause I'm like, without naming names. Cause it, well, not specifically, mm. but I know like people in my past of being like, ask me a question or say something that someone else has done or said or something. And you're like, you know, or even like right now, mm. like cause my dad is like super conservative, right? And he hates Trudeau as well as a lot of people do. And I don't like Trudeau either, but I could put mm. aside my opinion of him and any sort of bias I am politically or anything like that and be able to look at some of the stuff he's done objectively and be like, well, doesn't matter what side you're on, the whole side thing is stupid, what side you're on and what you believe yeah. in, you it's like, do you can't just deny not that like this is a good thing or this is or a bad thing. you just not like Trudeau? Right. Yeah, and then like, that gets you in trouble because depending who you're with or who you're yeah. in a conversation with, they're like, wait, you're sure on that side? And you're like, no, 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 I'm, I'm Switzerland. Not on our side. I'm <laughs> Switzerland here. I'm just saying yeah, I can that's good. I can see it from both sides, right? Like literally Switzerland could be like, well, obviously we know what like the Nazis are doing are wrong, but like objectively you can see in history that Hitler fucking brought Germany out from shit economical situation to fucking yeah. super wealthy successful being successful country still yeah successful economically and i mean they almost fucking fought it's very true germany versus the world they almost won kind of like it's like that's a very that's a powerful that's a big example of being able to look at something powerful entity and like it's exactly it's not like i'm siding with them fuck no but like to see something like that. And that's an extreme kind of analogy or whatever. But I think mm-hmm. because of that blessing and curse, just like how we, when we did all the manufacturing classes and we hit now, know you look at a product and you're like, I bet I can guess how much yeah. this thing was made for. And I have to pay this price for it. Right. <laughs> and people are like, what do you mean? You're like, let me tell you how this thing's made how much the factory makes it for, how much they sell it to the company, how much the company wholesales it to Walmart yeah. and then what price Walmart's selling it at, you know? And, you know, it's on, it's this item's on sale for this small amount of Somehow. money and yet everyone in the chain is still making money off of it. So how much do you think they actually made it for, right? It's a, it's a curse, but also a blessing. But being objective, I feel like without them being like, yeah, I mean, I'm sure it profs throughout the years always mm-hmm. ask us, like, hey, do you think this works? Do you think that works? Going back, like, I, that's why I said those three questions we weren't learned. No one wrote, uh, wrote on the board saying, ask yourself these three questions. It was more like throughout the four years, we kind of just profs, like, yeah. in ways, use, like, synonyms to those three questions in different teachings. So, like, you know, in first year with Odin, if him asking us to critique something, you know but using all the pretentious artsy designery elements and principles of design language right but 
that is how then we could critique something and, and figure out why it's true. One idea was it's working true. and why one wasn't. Right. And then from now, from then on, once you kind of learnt those things, which at first seem ridiculous, but then whenever we came to our first big project, like, you know, for me, like the clock <laughs> when I was like, I think it was kind of silly either way, but the, the first big yeah, project yeah. when I think of it yeah. is bus shelter, right? Like big project. And even then, after a few months of learning those elements of principles, you're already subconsciously applying them to figure out whether or not something is working or why it's not working. And then I feel like the what if is just like a subconscious thing we would ask or we would learn to ask ourselves if you're doing the design method properly yeah, yeah. is is like the ideation stage and then into the development stage of a, of a design right like i know i'm sure <coughs> you're, you're the same way with like you know an auto like it's like okay, here's your your bruce bruce you'd be like, okay zach you're getting this car from you know the 70s so like the one time i had a oh yeah um, a fulvia lancia fulvia that to redesign here's the original car go look it up on google for a little bit spend a few minutes looking at it you know print go print off some pictures of it and then you're redesigning it for 2050 or whatever right okay starting with that just fill up a shit ton of pages of ideas right and right from there you're subconsciously being okay okay i've done say three pages of side views and you're going through and you're like okay based off of the problem that I need to solve and the criteria and all this stuff, what works and what doesn't. And you're kind of naturally picking, right? Like, okay, which ones am I, if next week I have to take, you know, however 50 plus ideas I have and pick three, I have to go sort through these pages and find out which three work the best out of all of these, right? And you pick the three and again, subconsciously, I feel like you're asking your those three questions throughout the whole process, right? And then you move on to those three and then you're like, okay, same thing again. Now you bring it down to one. And then when you got that one, you might be like, hmm, got my main direction, but what if it looked like this? Or what if I took this thing from the original car and put it in this? Or what if I put, what if I had this front end what if I had this rear end? What if it had all those, like both of them? What would it look like then? Or what if it was this type of vehicle instead? What if this? What? If, and you're constantly asking, then you have some more variations of that direction. And then again, asking yourself, well, which variation works, which doesn't, you know? Um, so I feel like we, we didn't, we weren't like, here, learn these three questions and ask yourself yeah. three questions over and over. But we kind of did subconsciously through like mm-hmm. different classes different profs stuff like that um yeah i don't know i feel like that's like if you were to <coughs> actually it reminds me of um when i was moving around some stuff on my on my desktop and i oh, had a oh, bunch wow. of random folders for like school stuff yeah, from humbert and i was like let me put it all in one you know in one folder so it's not someone's free up space and stuff um and one of them oh, was yeah, uh, Sandro's manifesto. Yeah, it was fourth year. It was that fourth year? We had to do the manifesto, right? And uh, and I actually really like the one I did. And 
when you have to do like you know uh your right. version of the design design method and i was just thinking of like and i had like you know the scale and it's like the five steps or whatever, five big steps and i feel like that what it, those three questions fit like mm. each almost each stage you go through a phase where you ask you really yourself do. those three questions each stage right you know ideation definitely well i mean like research and stuff like that <coughs> maybe not so much but when you get into the actual design creative stages like ideation concept development you know final design stuff like that prototyping mm-hmm. you ask yourself you those really three questions do. And each like step now of the that way, you put right? it that way going into this i was very much in the mindset of like oh this is a great thing to have learned after the fact at least like i can i can implement that that thought process into working life and that'll that will be able to benefit me for sure but i wish i knew i wish i had that mindset in school and part of me still does agree with that part of me wish there was that the framework of like a three evaluate like three questions to to help yeah. evaluate your ideas it might have made mm-hmm. might have made us more conscious of the fact that that's what we were doing um like we're we're actively thinking about what works actively thinking about what doesn't work and then ac- actively asking what if in various scenarios and that's like neither here nor there but now that you met now that you bring up the whole like uh examples of especially odin because we would have to go around to each person each person's desk sit at their desk like big no-no in covid times yeah but we had to look at whatever their project was whether it was the spoon project or any of the 3d stuff that we did and give feedback on it and yeah i don't remember the framework of the feedback but i feel like we had to give a like something that was done well and then something that could be improved on maybe i don't remember something like that or if you had some uh, yeah. piece of feedback write it but on going through that and having to do that 17 yeah. 18 19 20 times in a class and then having to do that every say two or three weeks you get really good at you don't get really good you get better it's practice at being able to deliver feedback that is meaningful and has impact and that's um dave and i were talking about this last year where he asked me he was like what's your goal with doing offsite and i said well ultimately the goal is to get a more design focused job than the one that i was in which was successful the second one was simply contributing to the offsite community like okay i've paid money to be a part of this i've been chosen to be a part of this i can't just like i don't want to just ride that i want to be able to give backs and we would do critiques a lot in the second half of the course where someone would present and share their stuff and then everyone would it's like 60 people giving mass feedback in the zoom chat and there was a lot of feedback and i had like set myself the challenge of like giving one piece of feedback per class that we had that we could give feedback in so i think over the course of the week it ended up being like like six opportunities to give a unique piece of feedback to a unique person. But it can't be like, oh, I like the way that you did this. I like the way you showed this graphic. Because like telling me what you like 
doesn't necessarily allow or telling and telling anyone what you like about what they did is cool because it's a nice thing to say, but it doesn't provide them with the opportunity to mm. learn or better the work that they're doing, which is why Odin would always rip into us when mm. he says, I don't care what you like. Yeah. Tell me what you think yeah. or whatever the alternative was that he had us say. Yeah. And I think that does go back to the what if or what's working, what's not working and what if. And I can like, if you were to give me something like a poster that you were working on, I'd be able to run through the working, not working, and if mentality either in my head or out loud and be able to give you some valid points of feedback in the same way that you'd be able to to do the exact same with me. And we kind of did that subconsciously when we were doing the media kit. Just you were working on it, and then you would say, check this out. What do you think of this? And I would say, oh, some things are working, some things are not. What if we did this? We said what if so many times that day. We were like five or six yeah. hours on Discord yeah. doing that. Well, I remember on the on the last oh, image, yeah. right? And I, I was like, oh, this is cool. We use this image, right? And then well, even when we were selecting the images, I was like, this one. And then I was like, well, yeah. what if we use this one? You're like, yeah, no, that one. And then you edit it and you're like, okay, this one. And then I'm using it. And then I put the logo on and everything. And then you're like, okay, I think essentially what you said was like, make it, you know, 75% smaller or something or whatever. Right. Or 75% of that, of that size. Right. And then which, what you were actually saying is like everything else works. What's not working is the size. And then I did that and we're like, okay, already good. And then you were like, what if we did it where it goes in between yeah. your head and it tucks behind my head in the image. And then, yeah, those three questions applied and then came up with a product that we both yeah, I fucking love that. liked in the end, right? I sometimes open it up on my desktop and just flip through it just yeah. to be, just to, just to look. You were really cool. A little pat on the back. Mm. I do agree with you, though. I think it would be cool if that was like, more of a lesson because at first when i was thinking about it i was like i was picturing us as the students like talking to like Catherine or bruce and be like i think you should yeah. implement this and they're like you want us to have to <laughs> teach you these three rules like you should probably just be asking yourself this like what we're you gonna hold your hand right but then there's a part of me that's kind of like yeah. the more I think about it i'm like no that would actually be you know because it, it's one of those things mm-hmm. just like the design method when odin brings it up in first year and is like you do your research, and you, you understand what the problem is. You do your research, use a demographic, blah, blah. Then you go to ideation, then concept development, then your final idea, then prototype it, and then the mm-hmm. final submission kind of thing, right? And when you write down a board, you look at it and you're like, am I, <laughs> am I paying for him to tell me this? Like, this is the most simple, like I could, I could Google this, right? It's so easy. And it's one of those things on the surface when you yeah. see it, it's easy, but now go try to apply it. You know, when I tell people outside of the program about it that aren't necessarily creative, they're like, it's like what we would, you know, I would usually joke about with friends. I'd be like, you know, complain about exams. Yeah. I'm like, my exam, I have to color something in for my exam, right? Like it's, it sounds silly, but I'm like, if that's a difference between when I see someone who's just, you know, uh, watched a bunch of Photoshop tutorials or tutorials on designing something and try to design it and they haven't followed the design method. And then you see someone who has, 
and knows about it and it's instantly mm-hmm. just on a different level right because learning to apply it and apply it properly is a much yes. deeper level of understanding and i think it's the same thing with those three questions on a surface you're like you know i can just picture like someone writing on the board being like and everyone's just eye rolling so it's like yeah. oh my god yeah of course right but then again like the elements of principles like <laughs> really i have to tell you whether or not this has balance or values it's like it's silly but then once you start using it a few times it becomes a subconscious mm-hmm. thing a subconscious tool right where you're just always thinking about it you know you know even now when i look at things i still think of it in my head right i'm like okay whenever i'm doing posters right i'm like okay balance okay is it going to be symmetric okay i don't want to do symmetric it's asymmetric. Well, how can I balance it? If I have text up here, I want something, a graphic down. You know, if the text is bottom or top left and it's big and bold, I want something in the bottom right to possibly balance this out. Or something that's smaller but like a contrasting color. You know, I want this visually balanced. Is it? Is there hierarchy to this, right? Is is things aligned or and all this stuff? You still use it. And I think it would be cool if that was more of a focused thing maybe for students to learn. To like jumpstart exactly. the self critique or um, lesson, I think would be really cool because then it'd be like, you know, well, you know, teaching it with the design method, you know, kind of uh, lectures where it's like, okay, in each step of the design method, mm-hmm. ask yourself That's these three questions. Yeah. Or you're critiquing something, yeah. ask you, ask yourself these three questions. You know, what is what is working or which one out of all these ideas mm. works the most and why? Okay. If that one works, why oh, doesn't shit. this one work? Good one. Okay. So now you've picked the one that you think does work. Well, what if, like, how could it be different? How could that evolve? Like, what if it had this or what if, you know, you had trouble, trouble picking out of these two, which one was the best? Well, you think this one is probably the better idea. What if you borrowed a working, element from the other idea and put them together would that make it better maybe it wouldn't you know but what if yeah i think that'd be kind of cool to for them to just say out loud that's that's <laughs> actually exactly teach that straight it. up that's exactly it i think that'd be really cool i think that's actually like thinking about now i think that's an advantage that designers have over artists mm-hmm. maybe not every artist i wouldn't say that because maybe some some artists teach themselves or maybe some programs actually teach it, but our ability to ask yourself those three questions, mm-hmm. because like, you know, without even insulting anyone, it's like someone is watching Andrew Tischler's video and is seeing that they're like, oh yeah, I'm going to start doing this. I've never thought of doing this before. And then us, were we lucky to go through a really good design program. We're like, yeah, it was like first year stuff. Like, yeah, we've been critiquing, yeah. asking ourselves these questions just consciously for like years, right? Um, yeah. I think that's where we're lucky. It's kind of an advantage knowing that. It really is. It really is. You know, because, yeah, art's a lot more free and, you know, self-expression and stuff like this, but there's still like a level of like of critique involved. And that's why I think when you mm-hmm. see a successful artist, one of the many reasons why they're successful is because they've they they know that and they're able yeah. on a higher level to critique themselves and to pick and, and and to evolve it that way to develop it like you know we would develop a, a design 
project, you know? Yeah. It's an important thing to learn. I think everybody should have that mindset to be able to look at stuff objectively, to be able to critique themselves as well as others and do so in a productive, constructive way where it gives someone something to build off of and like a, a direction to go with, so to speak, but also the wherewithal to ask themselves those three starter questions of what's working, what's not yeah. working, and what if. I think that's a great, it's not the end-all be-all solution, but it's a fantastic way to kickstart that thought process to get yourself into that mindset yeah. of self-evaluation and self-critique as opposed to saying, as opposed to like filling out a rubric and like yeah. numbering how well you think you did on these things. Well, of course, I'm going to put five out of five for everything. Yeah, I'm the best. Or like rate this, de- rate this design out of 10 and you can't use seven. Because seven is like the default. Yeah. I was like, well, it shows that I like it enough, but also that I don't think it's super great. One to six yeah, and eight to ten. Yeah, seven. You're like seven. And you're like, I'm only doing that because, you know, like, I think it's it's good. You know, obviously it could be better, right? And then the person's like, Oh yeah, I know mine could be better. And you're like, no, it's still good though. But like, you know, I hide I I reserve ten for a really special, you know, thing. I've used that excuse so much, I just say seven. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Exactly. I think yeah. It's um don't use seven. Yeah, I think that would be a good actual teaching to have like a class on that. It's kind of important. Mm-hmm. Especially what if. Like if mm-hmm. I was to pers- you know, add a percentages to it, I think what's working and what's not working is actually equal in importance, in my opinion. Yeah. And and then what if is more important, in my opinion. Maybe like thirty, thirty, forty. Or yeah. 25, 25, 50. Yeah, maybe. Maybe in 20, 20, 60. Oh, shit. Because I, I, when I think of some of the best designs I've done from school or since then, I swear most of them, if not possibly almost all of them, have come from the question, what if? Yeah. A lot of the car projects in auto were me having two side views the two front end ideas mm-hmm. or i had two perspectives you know two ideas each one with a front and rear three quarter view so four sketches and i liked the front end from one and the back end from the other I'm like well yes. what if what if i put them both together what would it look like or bruce would come along and be like what if you took i like this from this and this from this but i like this put them all together what would that look like what if and it's always the right answer. Or whenever we're working on stuff, it's always one of us being, what if we did this? What if we added this or took yeah, this out? Or what true. if what if that is possible? You know, I feel like every idea comes from that what if. You know. But I feel like the if is like you have to use you have to you have to answer the other two questions first before you unlock the what if. Yeah. Exactly. You can't start. Exactly. You can't ask what if from like a blank page. I don't know if people say, no. well, what no. if I draw this from a blank page? But to me, it doesn't. That's like the newbie way of using that question. I agree. I think it's like I you got to put something on the page and then you ask yourself what's working, what's not. And when you find that one thing that is working, then you ask yourself, then you've unlocked the ability to ask yourself mm-hmm. what if, and then it just catapults from there. In my opinion. And it continues to go back into like it's a progressive loop. 
yes. where you you do something, what's working, what's not working. Figure that out. What if this does that? You can push that to a new level and then you reevaluate again. What's working, what's not working. And that is how you end up with a strong, positive, productive idea at the end of the day. Yes. And then the final level, the boss level mm -hmm. of that skill mm -hmm. of using those three questions and especially the power of what if because great power comes great responsibility with that question. The final boss level of that is knowing when to stop asking what if. Oh, yes. Right? It's knowing how many times you can ask that question while still maintaining the while still being in the the realm of the problem yeah right because that's another thing have a final design track what if i had added this and this and this and then that's again like then you it, get to an intermediate level away from you and then it gets away from you either you don't finish it or now it doesn't answer it doesn't solve the problem properly it, there's there's arbitrary elements now yes and knowing when to stop asking what if when you're like i have mm -hmm. asked it the maximum amount of times that i can while still staying within the criteria and like the design direction and language of this project of this problem mm -hmm. productive restraint yes I'll call that's it. the hard thing that is very hard. That's, That's probably the, hard the, the hardest. <laughs> it's probably the hardest, I'm going to say. Because it's like, you know, you got to push it. You have to go too far to know how far you can go, right? This is this is true. This is true. Because otherwise, you like, you don't know your limits until you test yeah, them. Yeah, because then you're like, well, what them. if, like, can I ask what if one more time? Do I cross the line mm -hmm. if I ask one more time? Well, you got to ask one more time, then, and you then ask yourself the out. other two questions again. You got to learn the hard way sometimes. You know, if maybe the the what's not working, quite um. You know, question comes up more frequently than the what is working. Then maybe you've gone too far. Mm. I agree. Right. I think so. Yeah. I think so. You know what else is working though, Zach? Mm. Our inbox, specifically the one for hi at bigdesigncompany.com. So you can send emails there. You can also visit our website, www.bigdesigncompany.com. You can also send working podcast emails to hi.theprocesspodcast at gmail.com. Uh, we got some big things coming up in the next like two weeks, basically, which is very yeah. exciting. Nudge, nudge, wink, yes, wink, yes. subtle hint. Very cool, um, Zach Watson. Yes, sir. What is our Instagram? Process underscore underscore podcast. Nice. Well, ladies and gentlemen, thank you very much for listening. See you tomorrow. Peace. The process.